from deep inside your radio. This is the show uh, before Katrina. Uh, this program was occasionally punctuated by a series of uh, interviews slash performances with New Orleans piano players with whom I am um, unabashedly in um, something resembling love, the safe kind of love. And um, it is now time we're we're far enough along that uh, I've decided uh, to pick up the, the thread and no better person to do it with than um, the most amazing uh, practitioner of the keys and of the uh, of, of of the vocal mic that's uh, working in New Orleans today, uh, and a friend, uh, Mr. John Cleary. John, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Um, you don't talk like a New Orleanian. This suggests you come from somewhere else. Either that, or I practice an English accent every day. <laughs> you sit and watch Masterpiece Theater <laughs> yeah. when you should be yeah. woodshedding. <laughs> no, I'm from um, London originally, but I moved here as a teenager 30 years ago. Whew. Which is mind-boggling when I say it. it doesn't seem like 30 years, but I came here in 1980, just in time to catch the the kind of the last of all the great R&B guys that were so you still put, on good form. You, you know, saw Professor Longhair? No, no. Unfortunately, I got here just too <sighs> late for for Fess. <sighs> that was a real shame. But I got to see James Booker. He played in my local bar every Tuesday night, and Roosevelt Sykes would hang out in the bar and play in the day. The Honey too. Dripper. The Honey Dripper. And the night I arrived, um, Earl King was playing. Oh. So um, I got to see these guys who, for me, were just names on the back of very hard-to-find records, you know. And um, I was very lucky. I ended up actually getting to becoming friends with a bunch of them, and they would call me and ask me to come play. Mm. So I got to to being in awe of them and, and uh, from, a, from a great distance all the way over in Europe. And then the next minute I'm in New Orleans, and I'm actually getting hired to do gigs with them. And and this suggests that you didn't experience any of the you're an outsider, you don't belong here, get out of here, uh, that people might think would happen. No, a lot of people ask me about that. And the the best musicians, the guys that were really good at it, didn't care. Where the people here are very welcoming from the outside. Um, on the condition, as long as you, as you can play. I mean, if you can play, that's the only prerequisite. Mm -hmm. You know, so everything else doesn't really matter. So you must have been in some kind of hog heaven as this all came down. Well, I was, and I think I probably got a lot of the gigs by default, really, because uh, it was amazing to me that at the time I arrived there, it seemed to be very few people who were actually playing what I understood to be New Orleans piano. Um, the greatest one of all, James Booker, was working regularly, but he was ignored pretty much. Mm. You know, he played at my local bar every Tuesday night. The Maple Leaf? Off, the Maple Leaf, yeah. And um, the place would often be empty. Mm. Well, you hear those recordings of him at the Maple Leaf, and then you hear... <laughs> yeah, I was there on those nights when they... Re I mean, they recorded every week, mm. so I was there all the time. I had a job painting the bar, and often I would come in... Actually, that's how I got my first piano gig, because I was a guitar player. I played guitar as a kid. And that was my real my main instrument. When I arrived in New Orleans, I got a job painting the bar. And on Tuesday, uh, and the deal was we worked whatever hours we wanted. This was the job offer. You can work whatever hours you want. You get free drink while you work. <laughs> <laughs> so stretch half, it out. Yeah, half price drink any <laughs> other time. You get to see all the bands for free. It was great. Man, I was 17 years old in heaven. Mm. Um, but we'd start work very late. Very